Welcome inside the first edition of the Preps Weekly Podcast with me, Brian Henschen, and joined by Kyle Nedrip. Akeem Glasby is on assignment, and we don't know what he's going to join <laughs> us, but we miss you, Akeem. Do you think he's going to listen to this? No. <laughs> An instacall. <laughs> Maybe he'll just miss the sound of our voices, and that'll get him to... I think it's like his, work, his workout, uh, instead of music, he listens to us. That's what I would recommend. Just listen to two guys talking about two sports that you don't cover, but, you know, maybe find mildly interesting. I think that's the way to do it. Um, so, yeah, this is a podcast. It's free form. You can't see us, which is nice for Kyle and I because we can research. And for me right now, I can watch the U.S.-Iran soccer game as we go. And I look like an idiot for looking off screen. It's zero to zero as we start this thing. Um, but, Kyle, let's talk the other football, American football, um, and specifically those state championship games. I know that there were some blowouts, some lopsided games. Um, but let, let's just start with the finale, that Whiteland game, and just went down to the wire, checking in the other team score with 19 seconds left to win it, right? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the, after a weekend of kind of dull, uh, sort of lopsided games, that was definitely the best of the bunch. And, you know, it went down to the wire, and it felt like, uh, you know, Whiteland was in a really good position. They'd taken the lead and had uh, Valpo backed up. They were at their, I think, their 12-yard line, third and 18. And, you know, it's always fun. I always try to go down there on the field, at least for the fourth quarter or the, you know, the first in the fourth quarter or most, you know, try something like that. And, and I was down there and they, I was at that end of the field where they had third and 18 and, you know, the Valpo uh, uh, quarterback made a great pass uh, along the sideline there. So I think it was 21 yards, kept the drive alive. And then it was just, uh, you know, that hit Justin Clark is their quarterback, but they just made several uh, huge fourth down, or I'm sorry, third down conversions on that drive and probably would have, you know, they were in position, they were probably going to have to go for it on fourth down anyway, but it was just kind of clutch play after clutch play. And, and you know, it felt like Wyland was in position a few times to, you know, get the game over with and, and couldn't quite do it. And, uh, you know, there at the end of the game, Rocco, and I, I don't know if I'm saying uh, Machichi, I think is how you say it. He had a a really nice move there down at the goal line to uh, about the five yard line made kind of a, you know, caught a pass out in the flat, you know, juked a guy and then kind of sprinted to the pylon and just barely made it. And uh, Valpo ends up winning 35, 31, but yeah, seven lead changes in that game. It was just kind of, you know, ne- never, neither team could kind of grab hold of the lead. It was back and forth, back and forth. And uh, Whiteland had a huge crowd there. Kind of saved the, you know, didn't say, you know, necessarily save it. That's probably the wrong word. But their crowd was just so huge uh, that game that, uh, you know, the overall attendance is actually higher for the Saturday than it was Friday. I don't know. I can't remember if that's unusual or not. But normally the 6A game has the most. But uh, that huge Whiteland crowd uh, really kind of pushed it over the top. And they, I think, 20,000 people there total on Saturday. So, uh, but yeah, it was just kind of heartbreaking for Whiteland, their first chance to make it. Uh, I happened to be walking by there when, uh, you know, Darren Fisher was talking to his team after the game and, you know, it's kind of an inspiring speech he gave them before they kind of, you know, went their separate ways and into the, back into the locker room. But he's saying, you know, and, and it, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but he's like, you know, it, it's a championship game for the ages. You know, no one's going to forget this team and this game uh, from Whiteland and, and uh, walk out here with your heads high and, you know, that, I thought that was a good message in the moment, you know, rather than kind of wallowing in his own, you know, after 18 years of trying to get there, uh, probably would have been easy to kind of be miserable uh, for not finishing the job. But I thought that was a good message by him. And not surprising, uh, he's, he's, he tends to be that way, but uh, a good message in the moment. And, and 
you know, I think both teams very respectful of each other. You know, Valpo and Whiteland, I don't think they know anything about each other previously, but seemed a really good matchup. And I think a lot of respect on both sides, you know, as they they finish that game. But, uh, yeah, it was tremendous. I mean, that, that probably goes down one of the best 10 uh, state championship games I've covered for sure, probably top five. So it was an excellent game. What, fun Fun way to finish the season. We'll touch on a couple other teams here I'd like to talk to you about that are set up for repeats. But what about Whiteland? What are their chances, you think, of get, getting back there next year? I mean, they're always good. I, I will say, you know, they'll they'll definitely miss, uh, you know, some of their, their their key guys, you know, along the, uh, you know, along the lines, they lose some guys. And then, you know, there's uh, uh, Peyton Emberton, who was their leading rusher, and uh, uh, Jonathan Crowley, who was their second leading rusher, are both gone to graduation. So, you know, those are huge losses. Kevin Denham, uh, their quarterback, is another was another senior. Uh, you know, they do have some 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 speed coming back, like uh, uh, Nyrius Moore Smith and, and uh, Slate Valentine. Um, you know, both those guys are sophomores, so you know th- that's a good sign for the future, but. They're kind of a system team, I would say. I mean, at this point, I think they'll be, you know, they're always going to be in the mix. I think this was sort of a, you know, they both the sides kind of talked about it going into the state finals meeting there. Um, you know, this was kind of a year where 5A, and I know we talked about it on the show uh, several times, but 5A was sort of that wide open class that it looked like anybody, um, you know, that had some some good senior class, good uh, experienced players is going to possibly be able to make a run. So, Everything kind of set up for both Valpo and uh, Whiteland this year uh, to make it there. And and Valpo, was uh, they were kind of the cardiac team. They won several close games along the way. Whiteland didn't have as many of those close ones, but they did beat uh, Franklin twice. They had to go down to Castle and uh, beat them on a long uh, road trip. And, you know, Decatur was kind of that team that, you know, you thought might be there in 5A too, but then uh, Plainfield beat them. So uh, it was sort of that topsy-turvy type year in 5A. But, I, you know, Whiteland, you know, next year everything's going to basically be the same as far as the setup goes. It'll be the second year of that two-year uh, cycle. So, you know, I think Whiteland will have a chance to be there standing at the end. But they do lose, you know, to your point, they do lose quite a bit of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. That class is staying the same. Obviously, a team that we talked about before, East Central, benefits them and setting up for a potential repeat with the pieces they have coming back. And you addressed it <clears throat> right at the top of your What We Learned too. but Center Grove, they went out and handled business against Carroll. Now three in a row for them, right? And, and I mean, looking at what you wrote, yeah, they lose some pieces along the offensive line, but I don't know with a school that big and the a roster that big and as big of a program as they have in that tradition, I don't know. That seems like something they could address and figure out over the offseason and, and be right back at Lucas Oil next year. Yeah, I mean, offensive line never seems to be their problem anyway. You know, even in that, that I'm not dismissing who they lost because they had a very good offensive line this year, obviously. And they lose their top two running backs, too. Uh, although Jalen Thomason wasn't, you know, they weren't planning to start him at running back or play him at running back, and they moved him over. Uh, but Micah Coyle, yeah, I mean, they're going to definitely miss him. They're going to miss Thomason on, you know, he played safety, excellent uh, two-way player he ended up being. Uh, but also, running backs never a problem. They always seem to find running backs as well. So, you know, I don't know. You know, I think going into next year, and this was probably the year to get them, I would say, and nobody could. <laughs> so, uh, I I don't know. You know, and who knows? I mean, year to year, it's always hard. It'll be hard for them to win again. And there is the you know kind of the unknown a little bit with Eric Moore and his future. Uh, but I can't I can't believe if he's able to be back and his health allows, I can't believe he won't be. Um, you know, next year. And we talked, I talked to him a little bit about that uh, leading up to the game. And he, you know, I know he has some other 
uh, appointments coming up and and he actually had one last week too um you know as far as his his uh, cancer situation goes so that that'll be something you know for him you know personally i'm sure to to figure out and uh you know in in the in the coming weeks i can't imagine he he won't be back if he's able to be especially with the team he's got coming back next year so the biggest thing to me i always look at is is returning starting quarterbacks and tyler cherry uh, was really good this year, but I think even as a senior, he's going to be even better. And then his top receiver, Noah Coy, uh, by far is coming back. And also their starting tight end was a sophomore. So, you know, a lot of reasons and their defense, you know, I wrote that in there, but their defense is going to be much better, I would think. I mean, they do lose some key pieces there too, but, you know, a lot of that line is coming back on the defensive line. And then most of the uh, linebackers and secondary uh, is coming back too. So, a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the future for uh, Center Grove, which I'm sure people tired of hearing them that uh, who play against them. But uh, they're kind of at the point now where they're the premier uh, program that, you know, you know, they always have been one of them. Now they're definitely the, the kind of the program uh, over the last three years. And, and going back even farther than that, they've been really good. But but they're the uh, they're the goal right now for everybody to try to knock off. One more football thing that we should probably touch on, Kyle, before we get deep into hoops, and that's Joshua Mickens from Warren Central decommitting to LSU. Um, I'll just let you have the floor on that. Did it come as a surprise, first of all? And second of all, what are you hearing for him and potential landing spots? Well, Ohio State is definitely the uh, the program, I think, that uh, to watch, I would say. And, and I know Josh, even back when he committed to LSU, you know, the distance from home was going to be – you know, sometimes in football, you know, uh, kids will commit and that doesn't necessarily mean the recruiting stops. I know Notre Dame and, and Marcus Freeman, was, uh, they were talking to Josh uh, a lot. And uh, and Ohio State, even when we sat down and talked, um, you know, I did a feature on him probably, you know, I don't know when that was, six weeks ago or so. And he said Ohio State, uh, he was trying to set up a visit at that point. He ended up going, I think he ended up going twice. And, and this weekend for the Michigan game was his uh, official visit so uh that's you know the the timing of that and the the fact that it's ohio state you know if ohio state goes after an indiana kid normally they get them you know that's kind of been the that's kind of been the uh process of the last several years anyway and uh you know that could be the case again here so i would say that's you know and josh has had uh you know many offers you know it's not like he's you know being pushed out of lsu by any means he, he's got a chance to go play a lot of different places uh, but I think the the distance from home, you know, for his mom and him, I think was always going to play a factor. And uh, I always kind of wondered if he might end up, you know, ended up at a, at a Big Ten school because of that or Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame or the Big Ten would seem like uh, obvious choices. But uh, not many players as talented as Josh Mickens and you don't find uh, defensive ends like him. Uh, just anywhere. So he's a viable, you know, very valuable uh, commodity as a, as a player, uh, super kid too. And, and he also plays basketball. I think he had 17 points and 11 rebounds in their season opener. So he hit the ground running uh, in hoops as well. So, uh, so that, that would also, you know, if he finishes out basketball, obviously that'll keep him from enrolling uh, right away at Ohio state, which I don't think he was, you know, he had planned to play basketball all along the season, but uh, but that's also something to keep in mind as well. But I think Ohio State is, is probably the, the team to beat at this point. We'd love to see the multi-sport kids. It's kind of rarity now, but it's great to see that, especially a kid of that caliber playing multiple sports. Um, to give you a chance to bra- breathe a little bit, while you were covering state football, I was covering uh, Sneakers for Santa. I got my chance to see South Bend, Washington for the first time, and my God, they're good. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's 
you see the wins on paper and the strength of schedule honestly isn't there. And I'm sure they'd be the first to tell you it's not there. But still, when you're beating teams, you know, like 80 to 15, I think they put up 90 on another team. Most broke 100, which is incredible in itself. Um, but watching them against an Oldsville team that's obviously different without Ashland Shea, but still has some pieces, they looked really good. And they came, overcame some adversity, be it <clears throat> foul trouble. Kira Reynolds, their star freshman and um, one of their top players, ran into foul trouble and had to sit out a lot of the first half, which opened the door for – um, Noblesville to get back into it a little bit, um, but take nothing away from Danny Mendez for them. She was really good inside, but it was like a nine-point game, and Noblesville was clawing back in the fourth quarter, and out of nowhere, it just sort of took off with Rashenda Jones leading the way, and then Amir Reynolds, their other um, Big Ten-bound senior, taking over the game, and it went from a nine-point game to a 22-point game in the span of about two minutes which was just sort of a jaw-dropping display of dominance. The defense was clicking. Um, they, they were getting into lanes like they were earlier in the game and just blasting them, you know, for point after point after point. It was impressive to watch. Um, and it, I don't think there's many teams that can run with them. It's too bad that as of now we're not going to get to see them play a Zionsville or an HSE or even the, a Fishers potentially, but I don't know how good of a matchup that would be for Fishers just based on the size factor. But um, hopefully we get some of those matchups down the line because right now Washington has the type of schedule where it should run the, the table against in-state IHSAA competition for sure. Um, it should have a good game there at the end of the year with um, La Lumiere, a game against them to close out the regular season. But I, it's going to be really tough to see them getting challenged between now and semi-state, which is how their sectional sets up, the regional, and then obviously those two semi-state games this year. So um, definitely definitely got a, a first-hand look at the top team in the state. And um, I don't know if it's head and shoulders, but it's they're going to be a really tough team to beat here um, in a few months. Well, to to uh, remind people too, Brian, uh, they were three A last year, right? So they, you know, they were a three A champion, but uh, play a, you know, they they act like a four A team uh, anyway, even before that. But uh, so the, how does that, you know, how how does that kind of uh, change the landscape of things as far as, uh, you know, it, it, were, could they have been? I guess last year could they have been the champion in four A? Do you think? Probably they probably would have competed with with Noblesville or whoever came out of that sectional um, for sure. They had the depth of talent last year, too. I mean, people forget they graduated Mila Reynolds, who was a nationally ranked Maryland recruit. And this year's team, they have her younger sisters. Both of them were both nationally ranked or if they're not, they're close to it. And then um, Rashunda Jones, who was injured for a good chunk of last year and was dealing with some nagging things that she had to overcome. So I think they absolutely could have competed with 4A teams last year. They're kind of built like a 4A team, like you said. Um, <clears throat> and this year. This year, Steve Reynolds thinks that their team is even better just with the way that they've been able to hit the ground running and are coming together so early um, and they're finding little things to clean up instead of big major things. They've been able to stay healthy. If I had to nitpick and find one potential weakness in this team, it's the depth. They don't I think they had eight players, I want to say, dressed for Saturday's game and their roster, I think, only runs 11 or 12 deep. So that was the thing last year when they played Westfield at the Hall of Fame Classic was, you know, you get some injuries, you get some foul trouble and suddenly that bench is looking really, really short. Maybe that's a weakness, but even so, I mean, they're just so stinking talented that even if you lose one of those top three pieces, the other two could pick up the slack and the other kids behind them are just, you know, are really talented too. Um, so I think that they have the athleticism and the talent to overcome some of those flaws that come up. But man, they're, it's, I really hope that we get to see them against the Zionsville team because watching them after playing, after the uh, Noblesville Washington game, I mean, I think Zionsville might be the best team in the area. I'll see HSE tomorrow night, but. Layla Hall is taking her game to another level and making that that missed basketball case um, right here, right out of the gate. And, and Zionsville, too, just looks so much deeper and sharper than they did last year with Emma Hahn playing really well and Allie Caldwell. And then um, Faith Leedy's had a great start so far. Mally Hurt, 
um, came on really strong against BNL, their senior forward inside. So they have a lot of pieces too. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun event that sneakers for Santa. I know that you're going to have it coming up here too with the boys. Yeah. So that'll be, uh, kind of the highlight probably of Saturday's, uh, you know, schedule for sure. I mean, it's kind of a day long thing and, and I think I was there all, you know, pretty much all of it last year. And, um, you know, we'll plan to be there again, uh, this week for sure. But, uh, you know, that's yeah, always a, you know, it's kind of the back-to-back Saturdays you've got this and then the, you've got the, uh, Southport forum tip-off classic is the following Saturday. So you got two kind of day long events, uh, coming up and, you know, I think the boys, you know, the, the kind of the, you know, people are looking to get out there, you know, you've got the last game or the second to last game is Ben Davis and Kokomo, uh, which, uh, you know, that matches up. Maybe, I mean, Ben Davis, you could argue they're 1A, 1B uh, with Cathedral um, in 4A, and then Cathedral plays the second game uh, that, or the uh, last game that night against Centerville, Ohio uh, at 8-15. But that Ben Davis-Kokomo matchup will be interesting because Flory Badunga from Kokomo, and, you know, one of the top 10 juniors in the in the country, uh, six foot nine or 10 or whatever he is, and, and just dunks everything and blocks every shot. So, you got him and that really balanced Ben Davis team with Zane Doty, who's off to a great start. Uh, so that's kind of the headliner. And, and you know, Ben Davis has a, they have a tough game Wednesday against uh, Southport, or could be a tough game. Uh, Southport's kind of a senior-led team. Uh, AJ Dantzler had a, had a good opening game against uh, Perry Meridian, uh, and like I said, they're all you know pretty much all seniors in their top seven or eight guys. So you know they're they're sort of loaded for this year as well, but. Uh, but yeah, Ben Davis, they look uh, the real deal. Cathedral, the first two games looks like the real deal. Uh, and also the Brownsburg at uh, 445, uh, Brownsburg, they're 2-0 and so far. Uh, they beat, I saw them beat North Central on Wednesday. They play Heritage Hills, who has uh, Trent Sisley, uh, who, uh, you know, he's he's top 50 sophomore in the country, uh, offers from IU and Purdue and whatnot. So, you know, sort of a you know Brownsburg a more balanced team Cannon Catchings from going to Purdue is a he's a, a junior who's really good but uh, they have a little bit more overall talent probably than Heritage Hills but uh, obviously a tough assignment there but you also have uh so that game that day starts with North Central Bloomfield and then Beach Grove Northwood uh Zionsville Gary 21st Century and then Heritage Christian and Linton Stockton that's a uh, Miles Colvin against uh uh, Joey Hart in that game. Uh, Hart going to Central Florida and Colvin, of course, uh, Purdue. So this is probably the best overall ma- overall uh, lineup I would say they have. It's eight, uh, eight seven games total, and uh, you know, kind of just runs. You start at 10 a.m. and go all the way to 10 p.m. basically. So full day of basketball coming Saturday. What a week too. Just looking at Ben Davis' schedule, where they have Pike in between there, and then Kokomo, Franklin Central, and then they have Cathedral at that Southport event that you were talking about too. How is Pike not played a game a month in, or I guess the boys season obviously starts late, but still, I mean, December 2nd seems like a late date to just start a season. Is that standard or? Well, they were supposed to play Hamilton Southeastern, but because uh, HSE had that football tournament run, uh, that game got moved back to, I think, February 7th or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's not ideal to have Ben Davis be your season opening game all of a sudden. <laughs> so uh, that'll be interesting for Pike. Uh, Pike's not a bad team. And I think they'll be they'll be a team that, you know, throughout the year is going to get better. You know, they have some younger guys and, and they have some older guys, too, but not probably the overall depth that Ben Davis has. But 
that game, those those two West Side rivals normally play a really uh, close game. So sometimes it always kind of works out that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if Pike gives them a, a challenge. But yeah, that's not a not a good thing to have to play them your opener. I know that wasn't the intention either, but uh, just kind of how things worked out for Pike. I know too. We should probably mention Fishers too. You got a chance to see them in the season opener. Um, just experience over was experience, I guess, sort of like the main reason behind that 77-56 final for Ben Davis? Yeah, and the, the final score, I think, was not really uh, indicative. You know, they ended up, you know, they were they did get behind by quite a bit early on. And uh, at halftime, you know, second quarter, they could hardly even get a shot off against that Ben Davis pressure. But then as the game went along, you know, John Anthony Hall, he was in foul trouble in the first half. He came back in, uh, played uh, pretty well in the second half. Uh, for Fishers, he's another sophomore with Jalen Harrelson, uh, but they they made a run. They cut it down to seven in the fourth quarter, and then uh, Ben Davis kind of ran away with it from there. You know, and Zane Zane Doty, like I mentioned, he had or Zane Doughty, I always say his name. He's twenty three points and ten rebounds in that game, and then uh, and then Ben Davis, yeah, they came back and beat Zionsville pretty handily on the Saturday. They kind of uh, ran away with that game late. Uh, Mark Zachary, I think, had. Uh, 18 points you know and he's not even a guy that you probably think of first off when you talk about ben davis he's a sophomore uh, coming off the bench but very good athlete good football player um but yeah fishers is just, i think they're just a team it's going to take a little bit of time you know they just you know they've got some new pieces some young pieces and you know i think they were a little overwhelmed it was a great crowd it was sort of a you know opening felt like an opening night last week when they played ben davis and uh, ben Davis was ready for that. That's an old team. You know, it's all pretty much, like I said, all seniors. And and then you mix in some younger guys. But Fishers is mostly young guys. Even Harrelson, who's their best player, is a sophomore. He's only 15. So it's going to take a little bit of time, I think. But I coming away from that, I actually, you know, I, I like their team. You know, I, I think they've got a good mix of size and shooting. And, and Harrelson's playing point guard. So that's kind of unique, too. A little bit different for a guy that size to be playing point guard. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think they'll be fine. You know, I still think, you know, after Ben Davis and cathedral, it's sort of, a uh, wide open. There's a lot of really good teams this year. It's a deep year in central Indiana. Uh, I put them third in our fab 15, but you know, yeah, Brownsburg knocking on the door. You got Zinesville's Owen two, but they're, you know, they played a good, they played Carmel and, uh, Ben Davis so far. Carmel's right there. You know, there's a lot of teams that are right there, uh, after those top two, but you know, after watching a little bit of, uh, the first week, I, Ben Davis and Cathedral, I feel pretty good about those two being either one or two or vice versa. How big do you think the gap is between those teams? I know on the girls' side this year, it feels like it's becoming a little bit more pronounced as we get some more games under our belt and start to see where teams are at. And I'm sure that'll fluctuate and, and grow and shrink as we get going between that real top state championship caliber teams and the rest of the field. But on the boys' side, how big of a gap do you think it is between those top couple in the area and everybody else? I mean, it's not that big. I I, I think, uh, you know, I was talking to some people after the game. They're like, oh, you know, Ben Davis is going to be, you know, they're 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 uh, the best defensive team that I've seen. You know, and I, I don't disagree with that necessarily. You know, someone said, like, write them in for Banker's Life. Or I was like, that's a little quick to me <laughs> to be, you know, we a long – yeah, we got a long way to go. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, let's hold off on that already. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the overall talent and – to me, it's like it's pretty clear those are the teams to be. It doesn't take a rocket science to, to figure that out. But on a given night, you know these other teams, you know they're going to play different styles. They're going to they're not going to let Ben Davis dictate tempo all the time. 
and frankly, you know, Ben Davis and Cathedral aren't going to come out and play their best every night either. You know, it's it's and how does you know how if somebody's not scoring enough or getting the ball enough, how is that you know is that going to play a factor? Is that going to drag you down? I don't think both those teams are so veteran. I don't think that'll happen. But you know, the winding river of a season is just there's so many different things that happen that I, I'd hesitate to just say those teams are way better than everybody else and just you know forget it because there's too many good teams this year i mean there's just a lot of there's a lot of very good teams like you know even even uh carmel they go to uh illinois and get beat but i don't know if that you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna be a team again that they're playing a lot of younger guys who haven't played a ton of varsity yet so uh other than sam orm who's really good and going to belmont but you know they've got a lot of guys who are just finding uh new roles on their team and you know so Ben Davis is kind of the ready-made in Cathedral too. They're kind of the ready-made, like you know, microwave them up and they're ready to go first game uh, because they're so veteran. But some of these other teams, it's going to take a little bit of time. And by the end of it, who knows? There's a team like like Noblesville who I really like uh, that uh, they're off the radar. I think I probably have them higher than most people do. Uh, I think I had them sixth this week in the Fab 15, but not many people are talking about them. But you know, I, they have good point guard play. They have some good seniors. Uh, uh, Luke Almodovar and and you know Cooper Bean and those guys are really good. So you know I, I think there's just it's a fun year because of that. You know there's those sleeper teams out there that uh, you know people are going to be talking about Ben Davis and Cathedral and those coaches of the other teams are probably going to like that because that'll help them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, while Kyle's doing um, the event down at Ben Davis, the girls side there's going to be a big event down in Evansville too that we should probably at least mention here um, with Lalumere Fishers Castle. Um, some traditional powers. Lawrence North is going to be there as well. Um, the big event, I think, you know, is uh, the girls game between Fishers and Lalo Mir. It's an Ashton Shade is back with Lalo Mir, and she's going to be playing um, an old sectional rival. Those games are always fun with her going against the Smith Twins and everybody that Fishers brings. Um, I know the Tigers are coming off a weird loss to Snyder. I was looking at the numbers. It didn't quite add up. I'm interested to learn more about that, but it should be really fun and interesting game there. And then the night before you have Lalo Mir against Evansville Memorial and Bedford North Lawrence against Gibson Southern BNL, one of the top teams and probably the odds on favorite in the South. I'm not entirely sure who's going to challenge them in four out of the South. We were talking about that a lot on Saturday, but this kind of feels like BNL's year to get through to the final because um, Franklin's in a bit of a rebuild, um, new coach and everything too. And they lost some, some key pieces. Um, Center Grove will be an interesting team if they were to run against them because they're just so staunch defensively and can really slow teams down, which I know Clark enjoys watching. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that event plays out. Another one of those measuring stick events um, for a team like a BNL. Um, you seen any good dunks lately? I'm trying to think, I don't think I've seen many yet. Uh, and I've only seen two games so far, so not a whole lot that I've seen. Actually. Uh, Cannon Catchings had one uh, against uh, North Central. I think it was North. Or did I see that on video? I might have seen that on video. But uh, they did throw a lob to him that almost went through the uh, ceiling that uh, I, I don't think anybody could get to. But I'm looking forward to seeing some. I think uh, Flory Badunga, he, he's going to probably dunk about 200 times this year. I'm probably see 10 of them on, on Saturday. I'm sure Ben Davis will try to be uh, th do their best to stop that from happening. But uh, he's always guaranteed a few. Uh, so, and and Ben Davis gets their share, and Xavier Booker, of course, from uh, oh, Jerron Tibbs had one. That's who I was thinking of. Jerron Tibbs from Cathedral. I didn't see that live, but I heard he had a good one against uh, Jeffersonville. So, I'll have to check that out. But uh, but yeah, not nothing too. I know Clark uh, likes to get those on TikTok or whatever he does with those. But 
uh, hopefully he'll get some out there for the masses. It's all Clark lives for is a dunk, so please dunk as much as you can for Clark and Kyle. <laughs> Just, and when you Thank do you. it, land and look right at him, too. Look right at Clark, look right in the camera and go nuts. I think that's he, the move. He, he had a kid, I think it was East Central football, a kid looked at the camera as he was running down the sideline on uh, <laughs> Saturday and and did like a peace sign to the to the camera. That was awesome. That is awesome. That's such like a badass thing too. Like that's some serious <laughs> swag. I love it. I love that energy. I think it was East Central. I apologize if I got the team wrong, but it was check that out. That's fantastic. Um, so as we wrap this thing up, so we can uh, get back to indulging ourselves in some soccer, or well, at least me. Um, what do you got coming up the rest of this week, Kyle? I'm gonna try to get out to a few games and uh, working on some football uh, postseason stuff. And uh, if you missed it, the Hall of Fame uh, class is out. That uh, was a really star-studded class. It always is, but man, this year was really. You had James Blackman Sr., um, who, uh, Brian Evans, who played at IU, uh, Brad Stevens was in it. Um, so it should be a really cool induction in uh, March. But but really a star-studded class this this year. So it'd be fun to see that. But that's out online now. But uh, but yeah, a lot of. You know, kind of starting with the uh, full on to basketball now after uh, it's been all football for the most part. But, uh, yeah, a lot of preview stuff is online, too, if you want to check that out for basketball. But trying to make a little bit more quiet week. But I'll be out at some games and, and uh, just getting out and seeing some teams play. Looking forward to it. You've got to pick Mr. Football, right? Just by yourself. How do you do that? Do you draw names from a hat or what do you what do you do for that again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically <laughs> whenever I decide to put it out, and that's when it comes. No, it's uh, the IFCA. Uh, probably good to mention how that works. The IFCA yeah. will vote on that, and then we're kind of the naming sponsor, or whatever. So uh, we'll we'll eventually uh, that'll probably be I would say like closer to Christmas, probably a week before something like that. Uh, that we'll put that out first. It'll be the Mr. Football position winners, and then the uh, and then we'll do the the overall winner. So I think you could probably, you know, Luke Hansen from Ron Colley, Drake Bowen from Andrean. I mean, those are a couple of the names I think a lot of people are talking about uh, for that award. But uh, but we'll see. I mean, I you know the IFCA they changed their voting a few years ago as far as like how many they used to only have I think uh, ten coaches in each class vote. And now they've opened it up to basically all the IFCA members, which I think that's a good thing. It's more like basketball now where all coaches and actually basketball media have votes too. But, you know, but I think that's better when you get more votes. It seems like you get a better swath of, of uh, people. Uh, so that's, I think it's a better way to do it. That's, I, I'm sure we talked about this before, but I'm curious, has a non-skill position player ever won it? Yeah, but it's it's been – I want to say the third year they had it or so, or second year maybe. Like, it's been a long time. It was, I think 1993 uh, was when that happened. And, uh, and I, shoot, I forget the guy's name. He's from Bloomington South. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's rare. It's rare. I mean, very rare. And, I, you know, Blake Fisher from Avon, who's at, at Notre Dame now, offensive lineman, uh, he was in the top three, I think. I think he was third. Uh, and he was about, you know, as big and as dominant as anybody I've ever seen at the offensive line. But, you know, even Caden Curry last year, uh, defensive lineman. And I think if there was a guy to win it who played defensive line, it was probably him. I mean, he had great numbers uh, throughout his career. But, you know, Brady Allen from uh, Gibson Southern ended up winning it. And uh, I think that was probably, you know, I can't argue against him. He, he was great. I mean, really, any one state. So, 
you know, that's it always helps you when you win state or make it to state because then you get that. Uh, we've, we've probably talked about this before, but you kind of get that TV. Uh, people get to see you play and then, you know, just play on a bigger stage. And, you know, the fact that you're playing for a state championship says something about you, too. But, but yeah, it's pretty rare. I would say I wouldn't be surprised if there was a finalist or, you know, obviously somebody's going to win offensive line, Mr. Football and defensive line, Mr. Football, but but not uh, the overall prize necessarily normally it's just hard to compare you know it's hard to compare those guys and they don't have uh sort of those stats that people look at you know it's just hard to hard to uh know you know give the give the weight to it that it probably deserves absolutely <clears throat> absolutely um for me on the girls basketball side of things as we we get out of here i'm gonna have some game coverage too with kyle i'm working on some features hopefully have um some features get back on a regular schedule with those here over the coming weeks. And then I think from both of us, I think we're going to have something special with our super teams. We'd been something that we've been working on us and grace and max and the visuals team um, with some cool photo effects. Kyle and I did some video interviews with these kids, asked them some fun questions. And I think we'll have that out here at some point this week, next week, sometime soon, hopefully, because they're, they're pretty cool. And it was a lot of work I know for everybody involved. So we'll have that. Um, maybe we're going to drag Akeem out of retirement for this next one. It's just, there's something, there's something missing here. And I think it's Glassby and he can just come in here and just <laughs> smile and nod. Yeah, we need, we need to get him out here. To give you a chance to breathe me, a chance to collect my thoughts. So I don't ramble like a moron, like I have for the past <laughs> however many minutes. I don't know. Or we can get Clark on here to spew some of his takes. Yeah. Break him out of his shell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is our first episode. It's in the books. We'll do better next time. Um, but for Kyle, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you guys next week and uh, take care.